Modern. 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 We're prepping for a voyage. Modern. The force of an old-fashioned equals whiskey mass times bitters acceleration. Why don't you make that a double? Modern Bar Cart. What's shaking, cocktail fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Modern Bar Cart Podcast. I'm your host, Modern Bar Cart CEO, Eric Koslick. Thanks for tuning in to another fantastic interview episode where we pull up a seat and chat with some of the most exciting spirit, cocktail, and bartending experts to really pick apart the topics that make you a better bartender, whether you're an industry pro or a home enthusiast. This episode, we continue our conversation with my friend, Lara Victoria, who's a wine and spirits judge and consultant, an extremely talented food stylist, and for the purposes of this interview, a sake expert. Now, as I mentioned last time around, sake is a drink I think most Westerners are aware of, but most of us really don't know too much about it. In the previous episode, we do the hard work with Lara going into the production methods, talking about what makes sake unique from other fermented beverages, and even breaking down the various grades and classifications available on the market. So if you haven't had a chance to listen through that episode, I'd recommend it. It'll give you a much better grounding for what we talk about here in part two. But you know what? Before we take off here, there's one other thing you're going to need, and that thing is a drink. This episode's featured cocktail is the Sake Martini. Now we talk a great deal about sake cocktails in this episode, and one important thing to keep in mind is that there's not really any sake classics floating around out there in the cocktail canon, so most sake cocktails you encounter are gonna be riffs on existing classics. In this case, we're doing the logical thing and using sake in place of dry vermouth because they have a similar ABV and can therefore play a similar role in a cocktail. So to make a sake martini, you'll need two ounces of gin. If you want bonus points for being Japanese, check out Roku Gin, which is a fairly new release. It's really delicious, uses a lot of Japanese specific botanicals. Then in addition to the gin, you're gonna need one half to one full ounce of Junmai Sake, and finally, one dropper full of our Iki Japanese Bitters by Embitterment. You can pick up a bottle of those on modernbarcart.com. You'll combine all these ingredients in a mixing glass with ice. You're gonna stir for about 15 to 20 seconds until everything is well chilled and diluted. Then strain into your favorite stemmed cocktail glass and garnish with an expressed lemon twist. Your choice to keep it in the drink or discard it. I like the combination of the Iki Japanese bitters with the Junmai Sake and the Express Lemon Twist because the salinity and spice in the bitters, courtesy of the wasabi and the seaweed, combine with the expressed oils from the lemon peel to make up for the mildness of the sake. Usually dry vermouth is prized for its dryness and its acidity, so If you're gonna take those out of the equation and swap in a different ingredient, you've gotta think about other ways you can keep people's taste buds entertained. One last thing to note here is the squishiness of the sake measurement. Remember I said anywhere between a half ounce and an ounce? Well, usually you don't really wanna leave that much leeway in your recipe. 
But I did that here because people tend to be extremely attached to their martini preferences, whether those be dry, wet, or somewhere in between. And the fact that we're working with a different mixer in sake adds a little bit of mystery as to how your palate is going to respond. So when you make this cocktail, play around. Try it with a half ounce of sake, then maybe with three quarters of an ounce. And then if you still want more, up the ante to a full ounce. If you do get the chance to try out this little beauty, please, please tag us on Facebook or Instagram at Modern Bar Cart so we can check out your creation and see how you like it. And now back to the interview. In this continuation of our spirited sake conversation with wine and spirits expert Lara Victoria, some of the topics we discuss include how to go about pairing sake and food, knowing that a great meal can be elevated even further by strategic sake accompaniments, which cocktails are begging for creative riffs using sake, and how Lara and I think about constructing a cocktail when sake is one of the key ingredients. We kind of peel back the magician's curtain and give you an inside peek at how bartenders think. Sake education resources, including books, outside educational programs, and websites that can help you learn more about this fascinating category. An exciting new sake project on the horizon for Lara, where she'll be providing insider reviews of sake expressions to help consumers make informed decisions. What kind of music to listen to while sipping on sake with none other than Albert Einstein, and much, much more. Please do head on over to the show notes page for links to what we discuss, and definitely follow Lara on social media. She's a delight to learn from, and I promise that her feed will be a ray of inspiration for your brain and your palate. And with that, it's my pleasure to present part two of my sake-driven discussion with wine and spirits consultant and educator, Lara Victoria. Uh, but what I want to talk a little bit about now is food. Now, you're obviously very good at talking about flavor. And so mm -hmm. I wanted to see if you had any just very basic recommendations for somebody who wanted to experiment with pairing sake and food together. Is there any types of styles that tend to pair well with things or, you know, how do, how do people think about that when they're planning a meal, for example? Oh, that's such a fabulous question. Are you sure you have time for this? <laughs> because um, sake and food, you can, it's its like an artist studio in a, in a blank canvas and you can really paint a beautiful picture. So um, first and foremost, we could, uh, sake goes with just about any food. Uh, one important thing I'd love to uh, let your listeners know is that we generally tend to think of sake just with Japanese food. But the fact is, and I'm so, I'm almost, uh, I don't know, evangelical about it. The fact is that sake can go with just about any cuisine. So if you are tasting, one of my favorite ones is, uh, you know, a junmai with fish and chips, believe it or not. It is amazing. Uh, now, you can take the same junmai and uh, you can heat it if you want it when the, if you desire, say it's a cold, rainy afternoon and you just, uh, you come home and you want to have a, um, a warm cup of uh, soup, something broth based, for example, a warm junmai is to die for with that. Or a grilled cheese sandwich, a grilled panini, something as simple as that, it doesn't have to be fancy, will go very well with, you know, a, even a warm sake or a chill sake for that matter. Now, if you want to get a little more into specialty styles of sake, like, uh, say, a nigori, which is a cloudy sake, 
Uh, it uh, it would re- go really well with, say, a creamy dish. A risotto would be fabulous. Or if you had a pasta or gnocchi. Oh, my gosh. Gnocchi with that. Amazing. Just absolutely amazing. Um, speaking of pastas, another pairing comes to mind. You'd think of your, um, you know, quintessential spaghetti and a tomato-based sauce. The umami in that would just be begging for, you know, a match with the umami from, uh, again, a Junmai or a Honjozo. Um, now, if you have something that's very light and silky in texture, uh, perhaps, uh, say, pan-seared uh, scallops. This is when the daiginjo really shows its best. You know, you can have its its um, its light and delicate, elegant nuances really complementing uh, the textures, the silky textures of, uh, say, scallops, for instance. Um, Indian food, uh, Malaysian food, something with spice. When I mean spice, I don't mean the the hot, you know, pungent uh, kind of bite of chili. I mean uh, different spices like uh, you've got cumin, uh, you've got coriander, all these lovely, beautiful spices, ginger. These go so well with if you have, um, again, a nigori would be fabulous. I think of a dish... Um, because it's my favorite uh, in an Indian dish called biryani and uh, that with a nigori, absolutely brilliant. So there are so many different uh, things that you could uh, try. I would say, actually, why don't we try this? If your listeners are thinking of having a party this weekend and you want to wow your guests, just you don't have to get too fancy with what you choose, what you want to serve as uh, your meal, but you can actually, instead of wine this time, just try pairing sakes with your entire menu. You could start with, if we have, say, uh, guests come in and you want to serve them, how about a sparkling sake? Just greet them with a, a lovely glass of sparkling sake. Then uh, for your salad course, perhaps, uh, you could do a chilled sake, depending if you're doing something light and crisp. I would say uh, a lovely chilled ginjo would be just absolutely beautiful. Uh, if you follow uh, that with uh, perhaps uh, say first course, uh, which has uh, say, what would you serve with the first course? Um, Maybe some chicken. Okay. Yeah, so chicken, if it's grilled chicken, now let's put it, let's go, you know, with barbecue season is coming up soon. If you've got some grilled chicken, why not get something earthy to go with that, those grilled notes? And uh, you could actually serve, oh, like a souvlaki or something, that would be lovely. Mm. Um, You'll be getting me hungry. I know, (laughs) I'm doing the same thing to myself here. Not only Uh, do I wish I had sake in front of me right now, (laughs) I wish I had, I had all of these things. But yeah, so, you know, you could have uh, uh, like a lovely honjozo would be lovely with that. I would go really well with that. Actually, I would love to pair that also with, uh, I don't know why, but a, um, a first when the salad, when I was thinking of the salad, I was thinking of namazake. Namazake is a style of sake that's uh, unpasteurized and it really has this, uh, it's called nama because it's alive still. And it has uh, this lovely freshness on the palate, which is just brilliant with a fresh salad. Uh, you know, and then if you, as the night progresses, if you want to have something that's a little more heavier and substantial, there is, there, there are no rules about maybe starting with one sake and a linear, you know, kind of uh, uh, direction as to the next grade. You can go back and forth. You can serve warm sake and then you can serve cold sake. It is fine. Uh, there is, you know, Generally, yes, it would be nice if you would kind of follow the temperature from one way uh, onwards, but there is no hard and fast rule. Uh, But really try that. In fact, you could try um, the same sake 
at different temperatures as well, if you wish. So there is so much that you can experiment with. There is no right or wrong answer. Uh, in fact, the one thing that uh, actually not one, I've got a few things to say, but when it comes to, uh, you know, what I would recommend for people when they're trying to experiment uh, is have an open mind and welcome all grades of and styles of sake to your palate. You know, you owe it to yourself to discover your preference and don't limit yourself to anyone else's opinions or choice because taste is subjective, as we all know. And uh, you'd be surprised as how much more you could find. Uh, but be open to other people's experiences because you might discover something new. Um, I would always, uh, you know, think of I'm, I'm actually sorry, you got me thinking about food now and I can't get that off my I know. mind. You know, know, it's like, know. <laughs> it's like you could do so much. Like, I'm just thinking, you know, if you, you, you've had a hard day at work and you're coming home and you just think, I'm going to stop by and pick up a shawarma wrap, for example, you know, or you've got that chicken pot pie, you know, you've baked and you're looking forward to that. Uh, you can always, ah, chicken pot pie. Okay. Yes, <laughs> I'm thinking of that. Again, you, you've got something like, uh, you know, uh, actually, I would go with a warm sake with that one. Definitely a warm sake. A piping hot chicken pot pie and a warm sake uh, would be just fabulous. Uh, a room temperature uh, sake, you know, would be um, fantastic with the shawarma, too. So uh, actually, the shawarma, I'm thinking I'd, I'd probably go something, do something like Genshu. Genshu is another style of sake uh, where no water is added to dilute the alcohol level. So uh, it doesn't necessarily always mean that it is higher in alcohol content because the doji can actually, uh, you know, work his production process to the point that the ultimate sake does not have so much alcohol alcohol content uh, in the first place so if he doesn't cut it it's it's not so bad but uh, again she would tend to have more of that robustness and i think with a shawarma that would be really really good yeah wow it's just so amazing to hear you talk about pairing these flavors together because it does <laughs> it, it does reinforce the the complexity of it um but it, it also does seem like there's uh, a lot of a lot of room like as long as you have one good reason for doing it in your mind mm -hmm. then mm -hmm. then it seems like it seems like it's a little bit less delicate than wine in that respect because if i'm trying to think about pairing um a wine with a very spicy seafood dish for example mm -hmm. there's a lot of ways i could mess up uh, mm -hmm. but if, if you're trying to do the same thing with sake it's you just need to have kind of like one good reason for for picking your service temperature and your style. And as long as you've mm -hmm. got that, then the purity of the sake uh, just sort of is going to uh, complement what's going on as opposed to like when I think of wine, I don't think of, you know, we don't, we don't hear wine praised as often for its purity per se. Yeah, we we exactly. hear it praised for its complexity or its Absolutely. nuance. Um, mm -hmm. And so I, I, I really do think that's what I'm pulling out of this conversation about the distinction between sake and wine and, and why sake is such a beautiful pairing uh, mm -hmm. device, because there's just a little bit more freedom to to experiment uh, with with less risk, I guess. It is. And, and, you know, opening one bottle of Junmai doesn't mean you've tasted all bottles of Junmai because, uh, again, it's the Toji's expression. It's uh, the there could be a re regional expression. There's so many other things that could uh, differentiate one Junmai from the next. So, you know, uh, I mean, it would be very easy for me if I could say to your listeners, pick up uh, a Junmai and then 
try a Honjo's right before it and mark the distinction. Well, that's an ease, that, that, that is a sort of something which is worthwhile doing. However, the fact is you might actually, you know, if you're looking for that, um, concentration, because people think that if there is, uh, um, alcohol added, it is diluted. It's not diluted. It is lighter. Yes. Uh, aromas. Uh, in fact, one of the reasons why some you know, top producers of sake would add alcohol is because, as you know, um, you know, flavor compounds are not soluble in water, but yes, they are soluble in alcohol. So if you were to add alcohol, the aromatics are that much more enhanced. So if, mm. if you're, you desire, you want to make an aromatic sake, adding alcohol to it, a distilled alcohol. When I say alcohol, I should make a point. It's, it is high strength brewer's alcohol, distilled al- alcohol. It's not just, it's not like you can just add, you know, a, a shot of, uh, whiskey. <laughs> that <Yeah>. won't work. <laughs> but, but, um, but it does, it does make it more aromatic. And yes, it does slightly lighter in, uh, in texture. So, uh, but there are several other components to it. The water, the weight of the water. There's so many other things that can, uh, contribute to the body. So that's the beauty about sake. It's not just when you meet my, my way of looking at it is it's a relationship, not just with the bottle, but it's a relationship with the brewery and the brewer. What did he want to make for you or she want to make for you? How did, uh, you know, what was the process into it? So uh, experiencing a bottle of sake, take your time with it and be curious about what it is. It's almost a lesson in mindfulness. Mm. Be curious about, you know, what is, what are the things you are, you are experiencing? And then if, you know, the, the spirit calls for it, delve into questions that, you know, you would like to research about, like, wonder why, I wonder where, I wonder what. And um, the more you look into it, the more you will learn about it and the more you'll be interested in uh, trying new sakes and develop your palate. That's beautiful. I really love the the mindfulness connection and uh, mm-hmm. the, also the connection to person and place. Um, that's really Absolutely. beautiful. So before we get to a couple of lightning round questions here, uh, mm-hmm. I, I want to talk about cocktails because yes. it seems a little complicated with sake just because in its alcohol by volume it, it inhabits this almost like it's it's verging on a fortified wine in some instances mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh but it's it's not quite there in terms of abv and there's just as as um you mentioned earlier fortified wines are made from from grapes and grapes have that acidity so employing sake in cocktails isn't something we can necessarily just plug into like a vermouth uh, template. No, so so how, how do you think about sake and cocktails and have you come across any really compelling sake cocktails? Yeah, so traditionalists will not really like the idea of cocktails because yeah, obviously as we mentioned earlier, you know, sake from Japan cocktail wasn't really a, a thing then. However, now, I mean, the cocktail culture has kind of taken Japan by storm and you've got these, the luminaries of, uh, you know, the, the cocktail world in Japan who are producing some mind-boggling cocktails, absolutely beautiful cocktails. So um, there are, it is only as limited as your imagination and and as as much as you want to try um, I have looked into sake cocktails, so there's nothing that is actually a traditional cocktail, but it's interesting to see how many are, uh, people are creating cocktails. And uh, so there's this one website I found that I found was very useful. It's uh, experiencesake.com. Uh, it lists 
35 sake cocktails, and I believe uh, the writer has uh, pulled in uh, recipes from, you know, def- different sources and sort of compiled a list. And it's actually a very intriguing list. There's some really uh, neat cocktails in those. So um, I would certainly encourage anybody to um, to look into those and uh, start creating. I mean, I, I know my personal experience, I started creating some myself. And like last summer, I came up, no, last spring, I was inspired by uh, the cherry blossoms around and created something called it Sakura. It was just an ounce of uh, gin and two ounces of uh, gin maiginjo. And then I just followed it with a dash of uh, simple cherry simple syrup. And, you know, that was just enough color for the hue for me and uh, uh, just enough flavor, the cherry flavor and enough sugar. So, you know, you can tweak that again. This, like I said, it's not it's it's something I just came up with. It's not a, a classic cocktail. So tweak it to suit you. In fact, Eric, I think you are a master at cocktails. I mean, you can throw in some things that will even enhance that better. So um, I would encourage you to try some. And um, actually, I had a funny. Uh, oh, interestingly, at Christmas time, I had this. Uh, yeah, that's what was funny because I was thinking about what would I do. I was I had this 12 days of Christmas, and uh, I thought, why not come up with a cocktail that is a sake cocktail? And I thought, why would you want to spoil a good thing like eggnog uh, and you know replace it? And then I thought, well, we won't spoil it. We'll just enhance it. Let's put sake in it. And right. I did that with an igori sake. And, you know, it was fabulous. Sprinkle some nutmeg on it. Oh, my gosh. It was just lovely. And uh, and the last I'll actually share with you is uh, actually a pleasant product of drunken happenstance. Um, I had hosted this sake team dinner at my um, with some friends and of course you know as no one was fitting the sake that night and as the evening progressed uh, it got a little more animated and um i was uh, it was demands came to me that you know, my, my friends wanted to see what was in my liquor cabinet so opened it up and you know decided to create a late night cocktail and just picked up we had some leftover honjozo and uh a saint-germain uh the elderflower liqueur mm. and then i had some ginger bitters running around and so i just kind of Put them together, and it was it was surprisingly delicious. It was so delicious, and everyone was like, "Oh, Lara, you've got to make this into something." And I'm like, "Well, yeah, it's here. It's for you." And and they said, "Let's call it." And you know, they were rather drunk, so the names were not very pleasant. But uh, <laughs> so 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 there's so there's uh, you know, uh, naming rights are up for grabs. If any of your listeners want to come up with a name for that, or you for that matter, there you go. So. Yeah, um, it's it's more on a cre- – I think cocktails with sake uh, is uh, – we are riding that wave where it will be a mainstay. Um, and um, we might actually come up with some uh, classic ones. Um, and I think um, you have the responsibility to do that, Eric. <laughs> that's your domain. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, so just off the top of my head, so the, way that I th- the way that I think about employing sake in a cocktail, and I've done it – uh, very, very occasionally. Um, I like to think about the, the basic tastes and then I like to mm-hmm. think about the overall ABV of the cocktail. Um, so mm-hmm. let's, let's start with tastes, right? So mm-hmm. sake tends to have, you know, when, when, when you really get to know a sake and you really mm-hmm. pick up the bottle and say, okay, like you were mentioning earlier, the lychee, like, oh, this, mm-hmm. this particular bottle just has mm-hmm. a beautiful lychee characteristic. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's something that you can kind of build the cocktail around. And so if Correct. I were, if I were thinking about that, 
and say, okay, well, this sake has a really nice lychee characteristic, but it's not particularly acidic. So mm -hmm. what I would try and build into this cocktail would be a little bit of acidity. I'd probably throw mm -hmm. in a little bit of bitterness if it was, um, you know, uh, on the boozier side. So if, let's say I was going to pair this sake with the lychee characteristic with a really nice Japanese whiskey, mm, then maybe yeah. what I might throw in is I might, I might, instead of making a classic Manhattan ratio with mm -hmm. a, an ounce of uh, sweet vermouth, what I might do is I might substitute a half ounce of sake mm -hmm. with a half ounce of dry vermouth and then throw in maybe some lavender or orange bitters uh, just to to play up some of the it, it would all depend on the base uh, Japanese whiskey I, would, I was using uh, to kind of uh, guide which bitters I'd want to highlight that but basically mm -hmm. what I've just done is I've created something that's like a Manhattan it's mm -hmm. like a dry Manhattan, but it's got that mm -hmm. little lychee note, and then I'll select my bitters to kind of play off of that. And because I've kind of inserted the sake into a template that already exists, right, the template of the Manhattan, I mm -hmm. don't need to worry too, too much about there being too much alcohol in there because the, the, the end ABV is not going to be so alcoholic that mm -hmm. it's going to throw off the, the the flavor of it. So, so I can just kind of treat that like a Manhattan with the addition of that nice little lychee note courtesy of the sake. So that's just an example of like how I would maybe approach creating uh, a sake cocktail, starting with that base note that I want to add to complement mm -hmm. something else out there. So that's that's one way I think about it. Mm -hmm. No, actually, it's, it's lovely to hear you speak about how you build a, a cocktail. So it actually brings it to life. And I loved when you said, you know, lychee, and then you kind of uh, complement it with lavender. That I think it would be a, a fabulous kind of, uh, I, I can just imagine, and I'm, I can't wait to try that. Um, in terms of the sake, so, uh, you know, it may, one question may come up in terms of what kind of sake do I use for uh, your for your cocktail. Now, I personally think if you use something like a daiginjo, that would be a waste because it is so light, so elegant. It needs to be, um, you know, so beautiful, it needs to be appreciated on its own. And quite frankly, it really, I don't think would contribute to a cocktail as well as something with a little bit more body that has or has room for another spirit to come in. Uh, so something like uh, more on the Honjozo level against you is, would be a fabulous idea for me, uh, a fabulous kind of choice, I would think. Um, on the Junmais, because you already have, see, a Junmai has no added uh, distilled alcohol, as we know. So it still has some body that it can actually share with another uh, spirit with it. So these are just things that I might uh, keep in mind. And also, if you want a little bit of, say, bubble to your sake, there's always sparkling sakes to consider. Um, and if it's a creamy sake, a nigori sake it would be a good choice. Right. Don't you think? Absolutely. Yeah. And and with, with sparkling sakes, you know, mm -hmm. that's a really easy kind of template to just use sparkling sake in anything that ends in Royale, right? So I'm thinking like a, a Kier Royale uh, yeah, would be absolutely you. lovely with some sparkling sake. Um, yes. You might want to just the my only um, little piece of warning 
-hmm. on the sparkling sake in a Royale format cocktail would probably be to just keep in mind that sparkling sake is not necessarily always going to be as dry as a a champagne or a cava or a Prosecco. So you might want to trick your, uh, your palate or your guest's palate by adding something like an expressed lemon twist in there where it's not going mm. to it's not going to play the role of acidity but it's going to give your palate something else to think about um where the acidity might otherwise be playing a role so just just keep yeah. in mind that's probably Good the point. one pitfall i can think of for using uh, sparkling sake in place of a sparkling wine and the other one thing that I noticed with sparkling, like the PSI, it's not as you, you probably have to drink it right away. It doesn't hold as bubble as well. Uh, it can mostly, I would say. Uh, but the one thought that came to mind, and you made a very good point about, uh, you know, adding the lemon that also brings in that lovely acidity. Um, what do you? What is your take on, like, say, a, a rim, a, a spiced rim or a salt rim to kind of complement that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Rim, rimming is is a little bit labor intensive um, for home bartenders, but I absolutely, mm-hmm. um, you know, in, in looking at this uh, this list of sake cocktails that that you just mentioned, I pulled it up, and mm-hmm. there's there's certainly uh, a couple in there that have a little bit of spice added, and I think mm-hmm. adding a bit of spice to the rim is is a great option um you know if if you've considered uh, your other stuff I, I would tend to do that with a clear spirit cocktail where we're adding sake to something like a gin or a vodka uh mm-hmm. having that spiced rim would be a really nice feature with that i think especially if it was shaken and served in a really nice chilled glass Okay, so you need to start a mixologist school, and you need to save a spot for me because I totally <laughs> want to come and learn from you. This is this great. It's brilliant. I love the way your mind thinks in terms of, you know, kind of adding and building into creating a cocktail because as you're saying it, I can literally taste it, and I'm thinking, wow, this is fabulous. This is really good. So, yeah, well, that's, yes. that's the joy of what we both get to do for a living, right? We just get to yeah. talk about flavor, uh, and, some, <laughs> and sometimes somebody writes us a check. <laughs> um, yes, that's true. So, so Laura, let's do this. Let's jump into some some lightning round questions. Um, okay. And uh, the first one that we like to ask, um, and I know that you're a wine person, but I, I presume that you you've got a little bit of cocktail experience. Is what is your favorite cocktail? And if you don't have a favorite of all time, what's something you've been more recently obsessed with? Oh, well, yeah, you got me there. I'm, uh, when it comes to cocktails, I'm actually a very uncomplicated person and, uh, I would just, um, uh, give me a rum and coke and I'm happy. And I usually don't drink coke, but I do it just for the rum. So it's, yeah. Yeah, I'm happy with that. But you know, recently I was presented with a cocktail that I actually was very interested in. Uh, it was called Velvet Jukebox. So I went home and I looked up the recipe. And it includes manzanilla sherry, so I knew that much. So mm. I, I actually looked it up, and I saw, I found the recipe on uh, sherry.wine. It's the official website of the Consejo Legu. Re- <laughs> I can't even say that again. Okay. So, so I found it uh, on um, sherry.wine, which is the official website of the Consejo Regulador de los Vinos de Jerez y Manzanilla. So what the recipe includes is one ounce of manzanilla sherry, one ounce of blanco tequila, half an ounce of slow gin, Mm. I know, half an ounce of ginger syrup, and two dashes of cayenne tincture. We're talking about spice this time. I don't know how it seems like it's that's the flavor. So you shake everything basically in a cocktail shaker with ice and then 
pour it into a chilled cube and garnish it with a grapefruit twist. That's what the oh. recipe calls for. Yes. And so, by the way, this website also has recipes for the ginger syrup and the tincture. So oh. if anyone wants to try it at home and, you know, get a little more creative, I think this is a great one to start with. I think that's fantastic. I love when people create a really well-balanced cocktail by splitting a bunch of things. So they split the mm -hmm. sugar between the slow gin and the ginger syrup. They split the, I guess, citrus notes. We could call it acidity, but I'll call it, I'll generalize mm -hmm. to citrus notes. They split that between mm -hmm. the uh, manzanilla sherry and mm -hmm. the grapefruit twist. And, oh man, that's just, just a beautiful, beautiful cocktail. Uh, it's the velvet jukebox. Yes, that's what it's called. Oh, so uh, it might be a trending thing now. I hope it does because it's really great. And you're right. The the, the manzanilla sherry just gives it that, you know, has that kind of a briny note, a savory note to it. And it's light and dry. So it does not add any sweetness at all. And exactly like you said, the the gin, the slow gin and the ginger is just, and of course, tequila. How can you go wrong with that? So, oh. uh, yes, it's a great cocktail. Beautiful. Uh, all right. So next question. If you were a cocktail tool or ingredient, what would you be? I'd be a muddler. Ah. <laughs> I, wanna, I love, you know, I just love introducing new flavors and creating new matches, as you can tell, obviously, with food and wines and spirits. And, uh, you know, when there is an acquaintance, I like to bring it closer and do more. And I think that's what a muddler does. It just takes, uh, you know, different, um, whether whether it is textures, whether it is ingredients, and actually integrates them somehow. And I love to bring this, uh, bring people to new flavors and new tastes. And um, and hence, I'm a muddler. Yeah, it's the, <laughs> it's the great uh, integrator of the cocktail world. It's an activator, I should say. You know, it's, it takes <laughs> it takes what's hidden in the ingredients, whether that's a beautiful juice or an essential aromatic oil, and it just it just activates that. So yeah, that's that's fantastic, and I think that really fits in well with uh, your your food styling. Your your we'll, we'll um, at the end of the episode, we'll definitely tell folks how to follow you on all the social media platforms so that they can see your beautiful photography, but I have really enjoyed following you over the past couple of months and seeing just like the, the imagination and that kind of like that activation that you do for, for those beautiful photo shoots. Thank you. Thank you. So next question, if you could have a cocktail or, mm -hmm. you know, a glass of sake or a glass of wine or whatever <laughs> it is, uh, if you could have a drink with anyone in the world, past or present, who would it be? Where would you go? What would you do? What would you drink? Just Paint us a picture. Okay, so get ready for this. I'd be on a deck of a blue-domed white house hugging the slopes of Ia on the northwestern tip of Santorini in Greece. And there, I'd be picking the brain of none other than Albert Einstein. <laughs> <laughs> I am fascinated with that human being. Uh, and I know it's, uh, it's he's not here with us, but if I can dream, hey, you said dead or alive, and he's my man. Uh, you know, besides his, besides his brilliance in science, he was also such an accomplished musician and, um, and an artist in, in many ways. Um, he was also a very involved citizen of his time. So I'm sure, uh, chatting with him would be, you know, would be so textured in so many different fields and it would make for such good conversation. Uh, I've always, as I mentioned, been inspired by him, um, since I was a child. So it would be, Absolutely fantastic to be able to spend some time with him. Uh, the beverage, I would like to say sake. 
uh, not just because today's podcast is about sake, but uh, really, I would love to introduce him to sake. Um, perhaps he knew a bit, but, you know, during his time, given the political arena, I'm not sure how much sake he may have had access to. But so I would love to pour him some sake. Uh, interestingly, it's said that Einstein actually did not care much for alcohol. So, well. Too bad for him. All the better for me. I have sake. His share. But um, but I would love to invite him into a conversation about sake. I mean, things like like we were talking about, you know, the whole phenomenon of parallel fermentation uh, would be. I'd love to see his take on it and in what he found fascinating about it. Maybe there was there are things about it that I have not um, had a chance to consider. It would be great to get his perspective. Um, I think I would serve Musaka. You got me thinking about food and stuff that comes to mind now. I think that would be a good choice for dinner since we're in Greece as well. Oh, yeah. And I would I would have to make sure that the sake was there for an umami rejunmai for that. I would love a good junmai. Uh, as for music, I'd start, you know, I think I think like wines, food and spirit, you pair them not just with food, but I, I, I see that happen with with music. Music inspires me for my choices as well. So for music, I'd start with uh, Bach. Just because you know, I want to please Einstein. Apparently, that was his—he uh, adored the music of Bach. Uh, but um, I think eventually, I can hear the sweet sound of Thelonious Monk streaming in. Mm. Um, perhaps after he leaves, I don't—I don't know if Einstein and Thelonious Monk would actually be a match. But oh, who knows? It could. And uh, you know, just like cocktails, you don't know until you try it. So I just play it because that's what I want to do. Yeah, yeah, that's really wonderful. I have been recently uh, dabbling would even be too strong a word, uh, but trying to acquaint myself with physics a little bit more. Um, mm -hmm. Been listening to some podcasts that kind of explain certain things. And I, I, I can't, I don't have the kind of, of mind that works that way, but it really... You know, I, I think a conversation about beautiful fermented beverages or spirits is great to have with somebody who has that intimate kind of molecular understanding of the way that, that the universe works. And I, I just, yeah, I think that's a, just a lovely choice to, especially talking about things like parallel fermentation and all that. Yeah, because, you know, another thing that I, I think I thought of parallel fermentation, I thought of uh, Einstein together because I think his mind worked parallel in, in, in so many different faculties at the same time. He had that, you know, like I think for me, I take a subject and I kind of follow through with it. But it seemed like he could take a subject and follow through at the same time while he was following through other subjects. So in many ways, he is like a sake in terms of, you know, when sake has its production, of its process, which is parallel fermentation, I think his brain was a, a product of such parallel, you know, faculty. So yeah, Beautiful. it would be great to be. So uh, we've talked about um, kind of the, the basics of sake. For somebody who might want to get a little bit more technical, are there any books that have been particularly influential or enjoyable for you on the subject of sake? So sadly, most of the books are in Japanese. Uh, there are, however, a few books in English. Um, and if you ask for technical books, the books can get really technical. For So for a first-timer who's trying to uh, understand sake, throwing too much 
technicality may actually throw them off. But that said, uh, there, I would highly recommend uh, John Gartner's The Sake Handbook. It's an easy read uh, with, uh, you know, and it has Gartner's beautiful and delightful tone that always breaks down. He has the capacity to break down technical aspects of sake into easy to understand chunks for the English speaker. Um, so I think that would be a really good book to uh, dig into while you're sipping a cup of uh, delicious sake yourself. And uh, that said, I've noticed a, a few more new books coming up on Amazon that I've actually ordered and are currently in the mail to me. So um, do look them up. Uh, if you just go sake and books on Amazon, you'll find some. But uh, I would, yeah, for now, for starters, if you just wanted something to get introduced into the world of sake, the sake handbook uh, by John Gartner is a lovely way to start. Great. We will link to that in the show notes. Uh, and kind of like as a part two to that question, if you could give any advice to somebody who's just starting to learn about sake, kind of starting to test the waters, what would mm -hmm. you what would you tell them? I would tell them to have an open mind and welcome uh, all grades of sake and all styles of sake to your palate. You know, you really, as I mentioned earlier, you, you owe it to yourself to discover your preference. Um, next would be don't limit yourself. You know, it's like uh, just because someone says if someone uh, is uh, seems to be an authority and says this is what you should drink. I mean, it's a good direction, but, um, you know, follow your own palate. Taste is subject subjective. So um, don't limit yourself to anyone's opinion or choice. You know, yours is what really uh, guides you. Um, and I would highly recommend that someone sign up for a sake course, you know, like uh, find what sake courses are available near you and uh, certainly look them up. I know, you know, there's uh, lovely schools around the world, uh, the Sake uh, Somali Association. There's, um, I mean, the Japan, uh, in, in, in Japan, there is the Japan Sake and Social Association that also offers some courses. Um, they have what they call the Kiki Sakeshi uh, program, which is basically a sake Somali program. Uh, and of course, uh, WSET, I cannot say enough about it. It is, uh, it's uh, my alma mater, and uh, I absolutely um, stand by that. So they are a great place to learn about uh, sake. Um, remember that sake pairs with more than just Japanese food, you know, pour it alongside uh, anything you, um, you, whether it's takeout food or whether it's a finely prepared meal for someone you want to impress, sake will always be by your side. It's it's never a diva. It's always a, a gracious companion. So uh, feel confident and feel, um, uh, feel empowered to actually try new things. And last but not the least, uh, I've noticed sake tends to taste better with company. <laughs> so <laughs> inv invite your friends and do a sake tasting. You know, try something new. Like uh, maybe have each of them get a bottle of sake and you guys can try something like a blind tasting and do a nice reveal and and uh, experiment with different sakes. It'll be a great way to spread the love of sake as well. Well, Laura, this has been tr absolutely tremendous. And uh, <laughs> I've been strategically ignoring a couple of things that you brought up, just like unfiltered sake and unpasteurized <laughs> sake. So we've basically, we've covered... A, a, a portion of the iceberg, but there is still a decent portion of the iceberg that is still below the waterline. So I think we are absolutely 
um, in our in our within our rights to to say hopefully uh, in the future we can put together maybe a sake level two uh, interview where we get into some of these even more complex things. Uh, but I think this was a great introduction. Uh, I'm really grateful for you taking the time uh, to kind of introduce us to sake and all the things it can do for us. And uh, I want to give you this chance to tell everybody where they can say hi to you uh, in the digital space uh, online or via social media. And it, I believe you also uh, have a website coming out in the near future. Mm-hmm. Um, so can you share uh, just all those lovely details with us? I I certainly would love to. Uh, but before I do, I just want to thank you for the opportunity to share my love of sake with uh, your listeners. And um, I can see I, I really appreciate the amount of detail and the amount of uh, uh, work you put into to make sure um, this happens. So I'm very, very grateful to, to you for that. Um, in terms of uh, how to get a hold of me, I love uh, receiving emails or people contacting me. So email addresses. I've got a few, but the easiest one to remember is basically my name. My name is Lara Victoria. And so my email is lara at lara.victoria.com. And it's Lara without a U. So it's L-A-R-A. It's just that. I have people who will spell it, put it L-A-U-R-A. It is just L-A-R-A at lara.victoria.com. You're like the uh, but- the Tomb Raider. <laughs> Lara Croft. Oh, <laughs> well, that, that, that Lara. Or oh, there could be Lara from Dr. Zhivago. Think of that. Ah. That's- that was my that was the inspiration my parents actually uh, thought of, uh, and then um, of course my Instagram handle is uh, laravictoria.cheers, and as for websites of course um, I have laravictoria.com that showcases my creative work in food and beverage alcohol, and then there is crewclass.ca and that is c r u c l a s s e dot c a uh, which is about wine, spirits, and sake education. Um, and then the new website. I'm so excited. Well, it actually I've had it for a while, but it's been I've been developing it, and I'm almost ready to to just release it. Uh, and uh, it is all about sake, just sake, and everything to do with sake. So one of the uh, interesting things is it will also have uh, ratings uh, about sake. So if you're not sure, and, you know, when I – I'll tell you right now, when I say ratings, if I rate a sake that's higher than another, it's not because I like it more than the other. Um, I'm – as you know, this is what I do in terms of, you know, judging wine, spirits, or sake. So I take the subjectivity out of it, and the rating would – precisely be uh, how well that sake is made or how well it presents itself for what it is. So, you know, if it is a, a, um, let's just say a namazake, how good of a namazake it is. Uh, So that would, just because it has a very high score doesn't mean it is better than, say, another ginjo. Um, It's just maybe that ginjo is not, could be better in its own category. So, So it'll be actually a fun website to check out. I'm really, really excited about it. And I've got a great name for it. Uh, it's called Sake Sensation, and uh, it's just a fun play on words. Sensation is actually sensei, S-E-N-S-E-I, as in a teacher. And um, it's all about sake knowledge, so do check it out. Um, and I'd welcome uh, everyone's thoughts on it, and if you want to contribute something to it, then, you know, uh, by all means, do let me know. Um, the website will be sakesensation.com, so S A K E. S-E-N-S-E-I-T-I-O-N dot com. 
So I'm looking forward to hearing from everyone. Yeah, that's super exciting. Uh, we'll definitely throw links to all of that in the show notes so that folks can check you out on social media. And when it goes live, all you got to do is send me a quick email and we will blast it out to all of our listeners and social media followers. And uh, is it going to go live with any reviews on there? Or are you going to kind of add those in as you go? There will be some reviews, but I will keep that going. It will be in uh, an ongoing process. In fact, uh, maybe when we do, uh, uh, if we do a sake uh, point 2.0, <laughs> we can talk about the one thing is in terms of, you know, the same sake next year may taste different uh, uh. because it's a different release. So, so I will keep that updated uh, every time there is a new release and based on what I uh, is supplied to me and what I can uh, have access to, I will review and update uh, even previously reviewed sakes on that. So it will be live. Yes. Awesome. That is so exciting, Laura. And uh, for everyone out there, you can head over to the show notes page at modernbarcart.com forward slash podcast to check out all of the stuff that we talked about with relevant links. And uh, Laura, just thank you so much. Oh, Eric, thank you so much for this opportunity. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Kampai. Kampai. <laughs> hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, there's two big things you can do for us here at Modern Barkhart. One would be to tell your friends and family if you think they'd enjoy listening to us talk about cocktails. And if they don't download podcasts, they can always stream our episodes on their desktop directly from the show notes page at modernbarcart.com. The other thing you can do to help would be to head on over to iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts and leave us a review. Five stars are great, but we're more interested in your feedback. And the beauty is, the more reviews we have, the easier it will be for other folks out there to learn about our show. We're trying to start a cocktail revolution here, and by spreading the word, you're helping us fight the good fight. You can always reach us by emailing podcast at modernbarcart.com if you're looking for cocktail or bartending advice, or if you're a pro who would like to pull up a mic and be interviewed for all to hear. Also, definitely follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Modern Bar Cart for cocktail porn, recipes, and entertaining tips. And keep an eye out for new product releases and special offers, which are happening all the time. We love our listeners, and we really enjoy giving you exclusive discounts and sneak peeks at our latest and greatest cocktail projects. This episode may be over, but for you, the mixological fun and adventures are just beginning. So remember, folks, drink responsibly and experiment boldly. This episode was made possible with editing and production assistance by Samantha Reed, sake pairing and cocktailing advice from Lara Victoria, and a little bit of interview magic by yours truly. This has been a Modern Bar Cart production, copyright 2019.